This episode of The Loyal Sun Show is brought to you by Rendine Consulting. If you've listened to us for any amount of time, you know all about Rendine Consulting's commitment to the Pitt Athletics program and brand, and how much they've meant to the Loyal Suns. That's Rendine Consulting, providing investment managers assistance with technology integration. Visit www.rendineconsulting.com for more information. That's www.rendineconsulting.com. Hello and welcome back to The Loyal Sun Show. That's at The Loyal Suns on Twitter. Follow us there and follow us here for Pitt Sports content you won't want to miss. If you love Jared Wayne and hate that it took until week 12 for our offense to look competent, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show, a safe, sunshiny place for your Pitt Athletics fix, brought to you by Pittsburgh Sports Now. Today is Wednesday, November 30th, and boys, we got about 41 minutes to wrap this up before the Nathan Peterman show, so let's get cracking. All right, where do we start? Jared Wayne had a career day. The Jared Wayne show showed up in Miami last night. The offense looked good. The defense looked great. And Miami looked absolutely putrid. I know. We kind of joked about Miami phoning it in. Like, uh, does this team really care anymore? Uh, will they just roll over and die? But then we said, no, they're fighting for a bowl game. The coaching staff will want to get this bowl game. But my God, they looked like a team that did not want to be in football pads. Yeah, they, I mean, to to say the same thing a third time, um, that is clearly a football team that did not want to play in a bowl in December and did not want to practice through the entire month of December. Um, so that was as as big a wave of the white flag as I've ever seen out of a Division One football program. I do think they would have put up a bit more of a fight if Van Dyke would have been healthy, but just in all facets of the game, they looked disorganized, disinterested. There was a lot of scrapping going on. It was like a lot of guys were just on their last leg, like just done with the bullshit and fights after the play guys getting into it, but hats off to Pitt, man. They showed up and really just, took care of business and manhandled Miami. I know there were some talks about it being a revenge game after the loss to Miami last year, which ended up being pretty costly in the grand scheme of things. But um, I think the pit guys always pit recruits, a ton of guys from Florida, a ton of guys who get passed up on by Miami, by Florida state. So anytime they get to go down and play in front of their family, friends and, get a chance to kind of stick it to those in-state programs. It's always cool to see. So guys like Brandon Hill, Deslin Alexander getting to go down there and just kind of whoop up on the hurricanes was, was pretty awesome to see. You know what else was awesome to see? Jared Wayne. Got that thousand yard mark, uh, took to the very end, airing it out up 30 to get it. He passed Larry Fitz on the, Pit all-time receiving yards list. So, well worth it. Pretty bad company. It was also awesome because they were so clearly trying to get him targets at the end of the game. Like, they ran him out on... The one he got it on when he fumbled, it was like a little out pass out to the flats, and I don't think I've seen them run that all year. But they were very clearly getting Wayne to a 1,000, and well-deserved. That's a dude who's been at Pitt, who's just been a solid contributor since he started getting playing time and has slowly become more and more of a threat in the offense. And hopefully a guy we see play on Sundays, I'd really like to see him continue on. If he doesn't come back, he does have the option to come back, but he did walk on senior day. He's been here for five years. seems like a guy who has a good chance to go to the next level and give it a shot. But I guess we'll see what kind of draft grades he gets, what he's hearing Mm -hmm. back from NFL teams and if it makes sense to come back, but hats off to him because We've, I think we've kind of jokingly talked about how much we like Jared Wayne, all the nicknames we have for him, Hero Soldier, all of that. But 
he really ha- is one of those guys that you build a program on. Absolutely. Just very consistent, very solid, does all the little things. And then the guy who in his last game really <clears throat> gets to have a career day and go over a thousand yards for the season. It, it was really cool to see. Yeah, uh, 10 catches, 199 yards, three touchdowns. Um, Pitt started the game splitting four receivers out uh, and and kind of airing it out. They were running slants, which was weird. I haven't seen that all year. A lot of RPOs. A lot of RPOs. Um, It was admittedly, here here I am about to bitch about a huge win against Miami. It was admittedly frustrating to see an offense that, like, was sleek and and logical in week 12 because i mean slovis looked better than he has all season aside from that first half against tennessee um now i have to drop a a dollar in the first half against tennessee bucket Mm -hmm. um izzy did that thing where he like very quietly had 100 yards and multiple touchdowns you know when you're like oh i feel like you know, they haven't been giving Izzy the ball that much or like he's been kind of quiet today. And then you check the score bug and uh, he has multiple touchdowns and a six straight game of 100 plus yards. Yeah, um, I think that Izzy has uh, his, this thing on the sideline where he checks the box score. He's like, oh, I only have 60 yards that are bust off like a 35 yarder right here. And then he's back on track for like a well over 100 yard game. Yeah, he had 90. Every time we have that thought, you just bust one loose. So we're all on the same page with Izzy. He, he knows. Yeah, he had he had 90 in the first half and like very much could have run for 200 yards in this game. But then they just said like, ah, good season, kid. You know, let, let him get that over 100. And then it was the Sebo Flemister show. Yeah, Sebo and Rodney both got a good bit of looks. And Sebo, he's quietly been getting more and more of a workload these past mm. few weeks and now he's, he's good just, he's just a guy i'm excited about for next year and this game it, he's a guy who can get a little bit of a head of steam and just wants to run through linebackers chest which is awesome and has a little bit of swagger to him in that sense the way he runs the ball so um, definitely a bunch of things to pull from this game that you can be happy about and then also on the flip side be upset that we didn't see it all year so um I, I did think Slovis looked pretty good last night, pretty comfortable. He missed a couple throws. Uh, there was one in the second half that sh- should have been picked by the Miami safety. It was he missed Bub Means on an inexplicable like flag route in the end zone. Yeah, Bub Means was wide open. Should have been an easy pitch and catch for a touchdown. But all that being said, I thought he looked, for the most part, pretty solid and something they can build on. It's, it's just, like you said, David, they open up in this four wide set. They're throwing the ball, throwing slants, and it's working pretty nicely. And it's like, hmm, I, why did they decide to go away from that for 80% of the season? So I was worried that um, both Slovis and Signetti were Vinnie Davising, um, which is uh, when you look really good in the last game of an otherwise completely lost season and give the coaching staff and the program unearned confidence in your abilities going to the next year named of course, after uh, Vincent Davis having like two fifty against Georgia tech in the last game of the COVID year. Um, so that's something I'm worried about now, but no, I mean, it was, it was a, a really fun game to watch. Um, dominated them start to finish, absolute massacre. Uh, it, and and I'm not just talking about what uh, Devin Danielson did to his own forehead. That, funny enough, is the biggest thing that's come out of this game, social media wise. I've seen it tweeted by basically every sports account, every college football account. And Voss said in his post game press conference something along the lines of. Uh, Devin's fine. This isn't the first time he's done this, which kind of sounds like an oxymoron. He's fine. He does this. He bashes his head off his (laughs) helmet all the time. But that was that was a fun little end of that game. I'm really curious as to what he was so upset about in the 30 point win. 
Yeah, the, the bench reaction to that was hilarious. Uh, Bub means cowering in fear. Though I am a little bit worried. Uh, Devin has a wife and a kid. So, you know, maybe tone it down, guy. How about team captain Deslin Alexander coming up, like seeing what was coming and trying to take his helmet off him before he could? And Danielson slapping his hand away. He's like, no, I'm bashing my head off my helmet right now. That was a, that was a fun little moment, although scary. I'm not going to lie, like when they showed it on the broadcast, I kind of like did had the same reaction that the the pit bench, the receivers did kind of just like, Ooh, what what is he doing? Is he? Yeah, is I thought he's going to bust his head open. I thought for sure he was going to have <clears throat> Owen Schmidt dripping down his face, bust yeah. it open. But hey, those country boys are built different. Oh, yeah. And uh, Chirpak has some tough son of a guns up at Thomas Jefferson High School. So he. Mm-hmm. <laughs> probably not the first time uh, a lot of his teammates have seen him do that obviously but yeah great team win I, I do want to shout out a friend of the show Dayon Hayes having just an absurd performance four TFLs three sacks it's almost like every year Dayon doesn't see the field a ton until the last couple games and then just absolutely goes off so let's uh let's try to see more of him earlier in the year next year yeah, yeah, I'd like like to see you know him get the chance at a couple of those performances early season. See if we can uh, extrapolate that across twelve games. Um, one thing I, I I can't help but shake the thought of uh, you know after this week um, where we had, you know we had a huge win, um, but it was against the backdrop of rivalry week and all of these games that you know there there was a ton of attention around and frankly. Pitt's fan base has checked out like a month and a half ago. If Pitt had a true rivalry week game, we, you know, we talk about it all the time. If we played West Virginia last week of every year or Penn State last week of every year, Syracuse, and we just like really. No, no, no. I'm going to, we're going to stop you right there. I'm not asking for much. We're going to stop you at West Virginia and Penn State. Okay, Syracuse okay. wouldn't get the boys buzzing. We played them last week, last year. And uh, yeah, there'll be 28,000 in the act. West Virginia or Penn State. Leave it there. West Virginia. Okay. Okay. I, I overstepped. Um, <laughs> I'll dance. You just got to play the music. Um, as, as cool as it was to open the season with that much buzz um, with West Virginia coming into town. And that was awesome. Absolutely. Oh, the yeah. highlight of the season. I can't help but think how much more attention and, you know, uh, care would be aimed at this pit program if instead of, you know, oh, we're, we're like five and four and, you know, none of our goals are in front of us anymore. So we're just going to passively watch and hope things get better, which they did. Um, but if if we knew that we we still had a massive game ahead of us, the the increase in fervor around the program would be, you know, a increased by a factor of hundreds. So it 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 hurts to not be able. I feel like the the Squidward meme from SpongeBob watching Patrick and SpongeBob play outside. You know, all the rivalries getting to have a good time. You know, getting their shots in, and we're just hanging out inside playing a very meaningless game against Miami. Yeah, we're playing a five and six Miami team with 10,000 people in the stadium. I I completely agree. And I watch a game like Oregon State and Oregon, or I watch a game, the game, Ohio State, Michigan. This year, different two and three, a college football playoff spot on the line. But think of past seasons. If, If Michigan's six and five coming into that game, but they get a win in the game, their season's a win. And I do feel like for Pitt fans, it's nice to hang our hat on on the backyard brawl. Like, hey, we went eight and four. We beat West Virginia. We won the brawl. But the brawl feels so distant at this point that it almost doesn't even feel like the same season. No. So, yeah. And then last night, what was the motivation for either team? Just you win another game. Uh, you finished a little bit there, Dylan. Uh, West Virginia finished five and seven. If we just flip the schedule around, the extra cherry on top would be Pitt keeping West Virginia out of a bowl game. So you have that. You oh. have the bragging rights. Uh, just the extra kick to the nuts of Mountaineer Nation. I think so. Neil Brown's going to keep his job. 
if if he played Pitt, if we flipped that game and it was last week of the season and Pitt kept them from bowl eligibility, I do not think he's keeping his job. The timing of that and everything, I I think he's gone. Yeah, that would probably be the straw that broke the camel's back for West Virginia fans if they had to go through a season where they play sub-500 football and then cap it off with losing the pit. Could be a long yeah. off-season. Long off-season. So, I agree. I think, I mean, it's college football. We talk about realignment. Conferences have ruined a lot of those traditions. But God, if there's one thing, I would love nothing more than after, the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, go back to that tradition of pit playing West Virginia, go down to... Could you imagine if we would have been tailgating this Black Friday? On the North Shore, like, instead, we think we basically passively watched this game at 8 p.m. on ACC Network on a Saturday night. Had a had a chill night at a local bar, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's something to think about, Pitt administration. Make it happen. Make a rivalry happen this last week of the year. So keep the fans engaged, and it's uh, something I wish Pitt could take part in is that rivalry week. We would have had a lot more fun the last month with this to look forward to. Absolutely. Are you or someone you know looking for work in a recession-proof industry? Are you someone that's interested in things like having health care, having a 401k, immediate PTO accrual, an employee assistance program, referral payouts, or a $3,000 signing bonus. Our newest sponsor, Haddad Accelerated Delivery, an Amazon delivery partner, is looking for safety-minded and dependable drivers to join their delivery service team. Be a part of a company that will encourage self-ownership and award bonuses based on exceptional safety and delivery efforts. This is the ideal gig for individuals seeking full-time work or students interested in making some pretty good money during breaks. If you or someone you know is safety-focused, hard-working, organized, efficient, and team-oriented, text HADD to 464-646 to apply. I understand that that is an impossible string of letters and numbers, so here it is again. That's H-A-D-D to 464-646. For a job that's the total package, get it? Because, like, it's uh, deliveries. Hat at Accelerated Delivery is the place for you. So with the regular season wrapping up, we want to give out some superlatives for this season. Some good, some bad. Maybe mostly bad. I have to review our list here but let's just get right into it um the very first one we'd like to give out is the we were lied to award that's right the preseason had a lot of hype a lot of guys were getting some pub in preseason camp and not gonna lie i think they lied to us about a few of them um we can go through each given nominee if we'd like to i think my nominee for the we were lied to award is going to go to Kanade Mumfield. And I don't know if there was some unfair expectations on a guy coming over from a Mac program. He was a freshman, all American, all of that. But all we heard in camp was how he was just dominating, looked like a future NFL guy. We were wondering if we would even have him after this season. And what, what did he finish the year with? Maybe around 500 yards. Um, looked good in the West Virginia game, but he was uh, left a little to be desired. Yeah, that was that was a tough one. We were getting some really good compare. Like he got referred to as the next Addison, which I think a lot of people, you know, at, at worst, that was a you know someone saying like this guy is the next Bolitnikov, but at the most favorable interpretation of that comparison could be like, oh, just, you know, the way he runs routes, very disciplined, great hands, you know, for an undersized guy. Um, and even if you choose to read into it 
in the most favorable way. Uh, that comparison was utter bullshit, and it was pushed like kind of a lot. I think my nominee will go to the guy delivering him the ball, Keaton Slovis. Uh, I wonder... I'm confused because in camp, we heard a lot of people who were at practices say that he looks like an NFL guy. And I wonder, like, did he really? Like, what were you watching when he looked like an NFL guy? So uh, we really didn't see that at all this year outside of a couple quarters. But yeah, those were some misevaluations. And even. Maybe another guy on that offense, Bub Means. Bub Means was the other one where we were hearing similar things to Mumpfield. It was basically like these two transfers we've got, Mumpfield and Means, will offset the loss of Jordan Addison, and the receiving core really won't have that much of a step down, and they're still going to be really good, and the offense is still going to be electric. Yeah, was it just people watching them run like routes uncovered? <laughs> And they just ran to the message boards and Twitters and our DMs and say, like, yeah, these guys are legit. I I think we oversell how oversold means was because a lot of the times it was lumped in with Mumfield. Um, but what I recall from the hype around means was like, yeah, he's big and he's fast and he's going to be a vertical threat. I mean, he wasn't. So I guess it, it still was a letdown. But um, I don't recall anyone being like, yeah, we got Randy Moss. Who I would, who I want to nominate over means, and I don't know if we're capping at three or if I can throw a fourth. I was told Bengali Kamara was going to be like one of the biggest playmakers in the ACC this year, and he was, he he was more or less out of a starting job like halfway, three quarters of a way through the season. He was kind an of, utter disappointment. I kind of bit my tongue in this in the preseason because. I mean, the Shields and Kamara on paper looked like they'd be Pitt's next great outside linebackers. Uh, I mean, they looked the part. They were highly recruited, and uh, they had some experience. It's not like this is their first experience ever, but it's hard to just be that good immediately. I don't care who you are. Uh, but, yeah, there was, there was some moments overall – yeah, I wasn't good enough to start. Yeah, sure. I must have missed those moments. Um, no, I I agree with you, John. That would have been that should have been all of our assessment was like, all right, he can be good, he can be athletic, but that that's a lot to ask of someone starting at such a difficult position. You know, after very little playing time last year, but like even if those were our expectations, I think he underperformed. He was. I- constantly out of position he barely made any plays yeah i'm learning from my mistakes in basketball it's every transfer you get probably sucks and for football if a guy plays a little bit and looks okay that does not mean he's gonna be good next year those are two things that happen way too often yeah i think learning i think he was just a guy who is a little bit of a victim of those expectations Mm -hmm. because then there was a bit of a magnifying glass on his performance. Whereas if he was Solomon DeShields, for example, like I admittedly wasn't looking out to see if Solomon DeShields was making plays on the other end or Shane Simon, who both were pretty solid as far as I know, but I'm not crunching tape every week, but it was like, Oh, 11 missed a tackle. Like, why we all we heard about was how good he was. So I think he was a bit of a victim of those expectations as well. But I think he up, played really good against Duke. Yes. So we wrap up this here. Um, we were lied to. Can we just give it to the offense or the passing game? We we were lied to about that entire sector of the team being electric and because the team abandoned actually throwing the ball three games I- in. Can we say we were lied to? Because Narduzzi was pretty straightforward <laughs> about the fact that we are running the ball this year, that passing the ball a lot last year was a mistake and not his style of football. It's just like we didn't listen when he blatantly told us how things were going to be. So that's kind of on us. You know what? I'm just nominating and giving it to Signetti. 
they said he was going to get the ball to his playmakers, and Bart had 20 catches this year. So I blame him. Put the whole offense on it. We'll, we'll let everyone's name in the award. What if we just gave the award to the 2022 Pitt Panthers, the team that was breaking down on national champs? Fair. All right. <clears throat> All right. Next, another superlative we want to give out is the why wasn't there more of that award? <laughs> I think the oh, easy boy. nomination is and... running the ball, run the ball more. Right. Simply, <laughs> simply not enough ball on the turf. How about Bart throwing the ball to him, involving him in the passing game? We play Tennessee. He hurdles the guy, number one play on Sports Center. Then he's MIA for the rest of the year. I mean, I think, what did he finish with? 21 catches on the season? 22? That's, that's pretty unacceptable. Yeah, I agree completely, and I think that one's going to be kind of hard to beat. Um, We've been bitching about it all year, justifiably, of course. Um, Pretty upsetting. I I think I know if if I leave this one for John, John will take it, so I'll go in another direction. Um, Just make sure everything's covered. Uh, The defense averaging like seven sacks a game the last month of the year, and I know they finished first in sacks in – the NCAA and that's sweet and I'm happy for them, but uh would have been great against Tennessee, Louisville, and Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. I'm going I don't think this will win, but I think it's a worthy nominee because at times they did try this and it looked pretty ugly. But the offense, the first half of the North Carolina game, where they were doing play-action passes and actually throwing like pretty deep downfield. I don't know why there wasn't more of that in like the weeks prior. I can see why at times, because at every time Slovis would try to throw it deep, it would be pretty easily underthrown, but yeah. Or dropped. I don't know why you don't at least game plan that a little bit more. That's just exactly like, what I was leaving for you, Squid, going just, four wide and airing it out. Just the threat of that. If, if you line up with two receivers on the same side of the field and they're running like crossing routes or whatever. It takes three guys to cover that. You can have eight in the box. The stuff is he. Yeah. I think in general, just a dynamic passing mm-hmm. attack, a passing offense that looks like it's from this millennium. Mm-hmm. I think why wasn't there more of that? Just about every time I watched Pitt this year, uh, honorable mention day on Hayes. We said he had yeah. three sacks last night and, mentioned earlier every year it seems like he comes on late i don't know if he was in the doghouse or what it might have been early in the season but the fact that the last two weeks it seems like he's played a lot more and shocker has made some plays so well he was hurt he was hurt you're right i but early in the year he wasn't in the rotation a whole lot but once we saw that that the ends weren't Fully healthy, fully up to speed, fully living up to the hype. I thought we'd mix him in a little bit more. And maybe it was something like that, that he was banged up even before the injury that kept him out for a little bit longer term. But, um, yeah, maybe that's the answer to why there wasn't more of that. But Bart, is Bart the answer? So, yeah, I think we give it to Bart. I think part of the reason he didn't get more looks is because Slivas couldn't get through more than one read of play. But how do you not game plan more plays into your script for that guy after watching what he can do? It's mind-boggling. He is so dynamic, such a good blocker and pass catcher, and, I mean... And golfer. And golfer, and he's lightning in the open field. Uh, you There are not five tight ends in the country that can do what he did on that touchdown against Tennessee athletically. So that was massively disappointing. And I, I hope we find an offensive coordinator that's willing to make him a staple of the game plan, uh, or he might have to find one himself. All right, lock it in. All right, next, we've got our pleasant surprise of the year. And I would say in a year of really unpleasant surprises for the most part. There were some guys who stepped up or some aspects of the team. I think first and foremost, Eric Hallett's emergence as just a yeah. ball hawk 
absolute rock on that defense. He his tackling in the open field went from like very much the worst on the team to like you you don't try to throw a screen on Eric Allen. It's going nowhere. Yeah, I think last night, I mean, he had a fumble recovery, two forced fumbles. Like mm-hmm. he has just been a turnover machine all year. Um, just an absolute stud all around. So that's who I'm going to nominate here because I don't think I think he did start to come on last year. You know, the ACC championship game, yeah. MVP, the two picks, everything. But for him to just kind of keep that momentum into the season, I don't think anyone would have expected for him to have the type of year he did this year. No, no, I remember whenever we were previewing defense, we thought if Hallett plays well, this defense could be really good. And Hallett may have just been like the second or third best player on the defense this year. Squid, do you want to go next? Well, I think a little bit. Sure. It's not great that it's this hard to think of pleasant surprises. But well, I mean, we got to go with Izzy, right? Yeah, I was going to say there's a bunch of guys that like we had high expectations for, but like still incrementally outperformed those expectations. And I, I agree with you on this one. I think we all would have penciled Izzy in for a thousand yards, double digit touchdowns. And we'd say that would be a good year considering we couldn't run the ball a year prior. I don't think anybody in the country, I don't even know if Izzy's family members would project him to have this many touchdowns, yards. And probably accolades too. So that's got to be on the podium at least. Yeah. I mean, especially when you consider like he missed some games and he was pulled in, in fourth quarters a lot uh, so that they could give Sebo and, and Rodney the chance to ice the game. And he was also on an offense that had, Virtually no passing threat for most of the season, so everyone knew where the ball was going, and it didn't matter. I think yeah. my, I think my pleasant surprise with Izzy was more so that they were willing to actually ride him and not, not give away some of his carries to the other backs on the roster, mm-hmm. like they had the last few years. Vincent Davis usually was good to eat up about seven or eight of carries that could have gone to Izzy, which didn't happen this year. Mm-hmm. So that was more of my pleasant surprise with him. I loved the home run ability because we hadn't really seen that in years prior, but we, we knew it was there. He's four. He runs a four, four. He's strong as hell. Like we, we knew it was there and he just hit home runs all year, but I'm, I'm going to go with uh, in a similar vein to John, uh, Kalaja Kansi. Like, yes, we knew he was the best player on the defense Yes, we know that he is so much fun to watch. That's why we play watch Kalaja Kansi game. But he was like the highest rated uh, defensive tackle in college football this year. He he played mistake-free, perfect football this year. He was a menace. Every team we played had to completely game plan around him. And aside from one, you know, unwise you know head-to-head hit against North Carolina I I can't think of a mistake a misstep that he made all year yeah Cansey was like you said a known stud but he absolutely dominated and definitely increased his draft stock is a guy I won't expect to be coming back next year I think he's probably played his last downs in a pit football uniform yeah, we will we will touch on that in in I think the next category. We'll see, we'll see. But honorable mention transfer linebackers Shane Simon and Tyler Wiltz both were guys who mm-hmm. maybe didn't get a ton of hype coming into the season with the hype around Kamara and the Shields as guys who have been in the program. Uh, Tyler Wiltz coming from a FCS program, I feel like people were like, uh, yeah, maybe he can get some snaps. But I mean, he yep, came on, yeah, at the. <laughs> Yes, sir. Miami, I think he had the best game he's had at Pitt. Yeah, he injured two quarterbacks. (laughs) Yeah, he was was kicking ass and taking names. Definitely a solid guy. And another place where Pitt continues to be pretty good at is finding some some defensive studs in the transfer portal. Uh, Reminds me of Kylan Johnson, the linebacker they got from Florida a few Mm -hmm. years back. So it's definitely a promising sign they keep getting guys there. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Who who would you say was the biggest pleasant surprise? Are we going to go Hallett? Eric Hallett? Yeah. I say Hallett. I might put Wilts number two, though, 
I think that's a good pick. But I think Hallett's at the top. Yeah, he's ahead above. Okay. Great season for Eric Hallett. Great career if he is done at the University of Pittsburgh. But maybe he'll come back. And with that, we're gonna we're gonna do some pleading here. This is the please come back award. These are some guys who still have some eligibility with the Pitt Panthers that we would love to see return for another season. I'll throw the caveat in that if this guy is basically a lock to come back, uh, we wouldn't really want to include him here or if he's a lock to leave, but maybe some of those borderline guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll kick us off. Servassier Dennis has been an absolute rock in the middle of that defense. That linebacker had an unbelievable season this year, 91 tackles, seven sacks, and really just kind of feels like he is the leader of that unit. Um, He still has eligibility, but is that a guy who he didn't walk on senior day, but is that a guy who some NFL GMs might take a look at and grade him pretty high and ultimately sway him to go to the NFL? I don't know, but I do know that if he comes back, Pitt's getting a potential All-American at linebacker returning. I think it's a really interesting one because there's no doubt he's one of the best middle linebackers in the country in college. Whether what he does translate to the NFL just because of his size and right. the position he plays, I he don't looked, know. He looked he, slow on that pick return. <laughs> if he, Yeah, I was mad because I took Pitt to score first in a poll <laughs> within 10 points, or Pitt's defense to score first. Anyway, yeah, he wasn't in a hurry. I wouldn't be surprised if he got picked in the third round, but I also don't know if I'd be surprised if he was like a very late round pick just because of Pitt's scheme as well. So I kind of selfishly want him back. I think he could go to the NFL and find a spot and be a dude for a team. I just don't know. I'm not an NFL GM, unfortunately. Casey, I haven't realized that yet. This is a, this is a really tough one, um, at least to sell. I am going to say Kalijah Kansi, and I know what you guys are thinking. Like this, this dude is on like top fifty draft boards. Um, he is on specifically one. I I kind of forget Dylan. Who was that that you saw him at like forty five? You mentioned it on last week's episode. I think Pro Football Focus might have had him. Okay. I, I haven't seen him as high as I think he deserves on a lot of draft boards. And when you couple that with the fact that he is injured, and I, I believe I – not that I want to spread misinformation, um, but I, I believe I heard that it wasn't an insignificant issue that could potentially butt up to draft prep um, – if it is a, a more significant injury that had him miss the Miami game and likely will have him missing the bowl game, I, I think he, you have to at least consider coming back because, again, one, you're, you're already, you know, down a couple points because of your size and because you've been overlooked in the pre-draft process. Uh, but when you throw an injury on top of that that's you know, could run into draft prep, I don't know. I I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility he could consider coming back, and uh, if if that's even if there's even a chance of that, he's got to be number one on the please come back board. I might give Cansey like a one percent chance of coming back. So you're saying there's a chance? I worry that even if he plays in college next year, it might just be for an SEC defense that pays him five hundred grand to come play D tackle for them for a season. Somewhere he's going to get paid. One way or another, he will get paid to play football next year. I don't think Kansas is coming back, but please come back and play for Pitt. Please. I also realized I didn't make a pick. I just kind of talked about Dennis again. So I'm going to say Eric Hallett. I don't know if he's going to win two awards. I don't see why not. But I like this young safeties we have. They showed a little bit of promise. Like Javon McIntyre played really well. McIntyre was balling yesterday. Mm-hmm. But the thought of having Hallett and Hill back again after seeing what they did this year would be pretty clutch. I read an article online that Hallett wants to be a lawyer, so maybe he'll come back and pursue that degree now. But who knows? His stock is probably at an all-time high. Maybe he'll take a shot 
at the draft, but please come back. We've got thought I'd say it, but I just did. And we've gone with three defensive guys, but how about Jared Wayne? Jared Wayne has a COVID year to use. He just yeah. went over a thousand yards last mm-hmm. night, just had the biggest game of his career. And because of the bit of underutilization of him for most of the season, I mean, obviously they didn't underutilize him too much because he just went over a thousand yards. He played a little against Miami. 18 yards per catch. So yeah, I think he only finished with 55 catches. Comes back and hasn't puts up another thousand yard campaign. I think any college receiver with 2,000 yard seasons is going to get a look in the NFL. Um, I think he still might get a look in the NFL this year, especially with the tape he was able to put on film against Miami. But another factor for Jared Wayne, he's a non citizen of the U.S., can't get NIL money. That's a potential barrier to getting him to come back. But Jared Wayne loves Pittsburgh. I can tell he's been here. He's been here through the ups and downs. He's won a championship with Pitt. And really, we need receivers. Yeah. Um, We very clearly because he has been the bulk of the production at the wide receiver position this year. And him coming back would be a huge bolster next year's offense, especially if if him and Keaton can kind of grow on the connection that they've made this year, I think that would be huge for next season. But so one more honorable mention, uh, Gavin Bartholomew, not to the NFL. <laughs> it's another school. Yes, please. That, he's, I think that's as fair as any of these really. I mean, I don't know that we've exactly, you can't really, talk about what those guys options are or aren't but they are definitely getting feelers put out from other schools within the season that's just the nature of how it is right now it's not like you have to actually put your name in the portal to get offers we've been over this but i wouldn't be surprised if some team in the sec in the big 10 decided to pony up some money to get him to change his allegiance and honestly i don't know how much they'd have to pay him he might just be like yeah i want to go anywhere where they're actually will, gonna will use you me will now. you throw me the football yeah that can be my me. form of payment yeah exactly so yeah he's a big one too so i think all these guys are great picks and all guys i want to have back Dave, you about, got something yeah yeah i was gonna throw some more on there because there's actually a lot of guys with covid years haba haba was Hubba was getting first round grades before the season, and I think he finished with one and a half sacks. I don't and know if I'm gonna do my full blown mock draft rant now or save it for our draft prep, but mock drafts two years ahead are like predicting if it'll rain in Pittsburgh like six years from now on a specific day. Spencer Rattler was a first overall projection in those two. Paris uh, Ford was a top 15 pick in mock drafts. Yeah. That was like end of if, if Paris Ford was getting like top 15 buzz, it was like towards the back end of his second to last year. Uh, I'm saying I'm saying in like August. No, it was pretty. He similar. was getting buzz. <laughs> it was pretty similar timing. But basically to Squid's point, Squid's right in that those mock drafts that far ahead of time. I mean, those draft those guys will fluctuate multiple rounds from now until the draft so and and that's a good point but doesn't change the fact that like what is he gonna i i don't think he's like a very serious early round guy anymore he oh yeah kind of laid an egg this year and i think think it would behoove him to give it another go i think it was pretty clear he was not 100 percent for a majority of the season right and he i think he should come back that's not me selfishly wanting a good defensive end to come back, I think he should come back to improve his stock and get back close to what some of the hype had him at. Oh, guys, bad news. I think Trevor Simeon is is actually start anyway for the Bears. We are being denied a Nathan Peterman game. Yeah, I just saw that. I'm sad now. That's garbage. Bullshit. Well, All right. Sorry, we have to watch the Bears and Jets. Yeah, yeah. Unless you want to watch the Mike White show, but uh, I I apologize for derailing us. No, have we called for? 
Who, Can we just say we? all of them? Can we just say, please, everyone come back? Yeah. <laughs> you want, you were breaking down on Natty in the preseason. Didn't well, get it, do it done. Again. Yeah, didn't get it done. There's some unfinished business there. Come back, win an ACC title, and do what you were supposed to do in 2022 in 2023. So all of you, we went all of you back with mm-hmm. open arms. All right. Last one we want to give out before we get into our bull predictions. Most likely to talk yourself into them being good in the offseason. <laughs> and I may speak for all of us. I may speak for just me. But I have a feeling as the months go by, as we get some word from spring ball and go through the summer and really get ourselves excited for the upcoming season. I think we're going to watch some of the film from this Miami game, and we're going to convince ourselves that Keaton Slovis is turning around for his senior year. Yeah, I think that's going to be the pick here. I, I hate to say it, but I'm running through the scenarios in my head already where we say Slovis in year two of his netty offense, now they have some chemistry. They'll probably bring in a receiver transfer. Maybe Jared Wayne comes back, and it's like, what's stopping us now? I mean, yeah, that's that's going to be the winner here, but do we have any honor, like honorable mentions? I was going to say literally every receiver. Uh, every receiver. Tra- well, I was going to say every receiver, every receiver transfer that we get is going to be the next coming. Uh, they're going to solve all our answers. I think we're going to talk ourselves into, and I don't think this is, this isn't ridiculous to say, but we're going to say they're better than they are. We're going to say the backfield of Hammond and Sebo is going to be just as good as they were when Izzy was here. And we're going to, it's going to be the Jordan Addison thing where we say, oh, you know, just because we just lost the best running back in the country, uh, these guys behind him are just as good. I don't, I don't, I think we will miss him a bit next year, but those guys are really good. Yeah. Hammond is a proven commodity. Right. Yeah, Hammond's Hammond's been a stud, but he hasn't done it for a full year. He's been banged up. True. Um, so we'll miss we'll miss some of that there. Uh Signetti. Signetti will change his ways and call a a prolific offense. Mm-hmm. Um I think there's some young guys that are gonna come up and we're really gonna talk ourselves into. It is like a fun. Uh uh, Ryan Bayer will be one just because there's like one clip of him massacring a dude in like one of the only snaps he got this year. That's uh, actually a really good one. I, I could see him having like yeah. no pressures allowed through four weeks and us talking about him being the next uh, Brian, Brian O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> we all said it at once. <laughs> How about the the yearly tradition of Nakai Johnson, Elliot Donald? As is tradition, yeah, yeah. Um, Shane Wabuko, I have personally, <laughs> just because he's the fastest human to ever, like, attend the University of Pittsburgh, I convinced myself that they're just going to, like, get him in the game for uh, two jet sweeps a week, and he's going to house 50% of them. Yeah, um, could add some Olympic gold medalists, so maybe not the fastest, but point taken. I'm, I'm going to Google that. Um, <laughs> and then not issue a retraction if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, I can see myself seeing Miles Austin have a few nice catches in the spring ball, and then being sold that he'll be the the next number three mm-hmm. receiver on this team, kind of like we did with Jalen Bard and Jaden Bradley. Like anytime they would post a highlight clip from practice of them. So. Slovis is going to be the pick here, but you mentioning Jalen Barden made me just think of another category that I want to bring up. How about most likely to enter the portal? Yeah, uh, I feel like he's probably going to be in it within a second of it <laughs> like being a possibility. for. I guess he can do it right now. Maybe just waiting for after the bowl game. Yeah, let me a... just refresh Twitter real quick to see if he hasn't done it yet. Yeah. How about Vincent Davis? I feel like he's going to go the route of the pit running back who plays for four years, slowly sees his role decrease, and goes to an FCS school, i.e. Todd Sibley and A.J. Davis. I think we'll be seeing 
Vinny Davis at a at a Florida A and M or something next year. I didn't even know he still had eligibility. What the hell? <laughs> um, uh, I don't even Darnell. know what eligibility means anymore. There's every guy is allowed to. It seems like play six or seven yeah. years at this point with the COVID year. Oh, I'm I'm hammering Nick Patty on this one. That dude has been nothing but a loyal son of Pittsburgh, and he was just denied an opportunity at every turn, or like a, at least a legitimate opportunity. You know, he even even the few chances he got, he was unfortunately injured. Um, you know the the Peach Bowl, and then and then the game against Tennessee. Um, but when we were up like. 30 yesterday and there was 10 minutes left in the game all i could think was what has nick patty done that he is not in the game right now and if slovis comes back i mean there's just no no shot for him i would love to see him get a chance to play somewhere i i would never wish him gone we love nick patty on this show um, but i would love to see him get an opportunity to start somewhere bart we already talked about it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're not gonna harp too much on that, but yeah, I could see all those guys leaving. Uh, I hope Pitt doesn't have a mass exodus in the transfer portal. They I don't think there been. will be. I remember like week like eight, we thought, man, we might lose like twenty dudes. I don't think it's gonna be that bad. Every team's gonna lose some, especially a team that brings back some of these super seniors like Pitt. We'll probably catch up to them just because of that. They're not going to have the natural progression of the young guys getting in because the old guys are staying longer and longer. But I don't think it'll be like a bad, like everyone's pissed off. The program's in shambles. Let's jump ship. Because we were there for a minute. A couple minutes. I mean, that's because, you know, we are in a position as the loyal sons where everybody who's uh, buddies, cousins, uh, doctor's kid is a walk on at Pitt, and just DMs like, Here's a list of 45 players that are already basically in the portal. <laughs> and obviously, we take that with a grain of salt, but when you see something, it then enters your consciousness, mm-hmm. right. it, it's in the back of your mind. Yeah. Pitt has historically been pretty good about keeping guys uh, compared to other FBS programs. Um, you know, what What did West Virginia have last year? 25 guys enter the portal after the season. So I think it's just naturally going to be a part of it. People are going to think the sky's falling when there's two guys in a day who put their name in the portal. But that's just the nature of college football at this point. You're going to lose guys. You're going to get guys back. But I hope we can keep those guys who've contributed this year because I do think there are a lot of guys who can come back next year and make a make a big impact. But running low on time on on this particular zoom meeting so let's get to our our bull predictions and then uh watch football for the rest of the day hey panther nation have you ever crashed your spin scooter going down cardiac hill or wiped out on an icy sidewalk in south oakland have you ever been hit by a bus crossing forbes avenue well, you may not have to pay that hospital bill on your own. If you're hurt in an accident, pick up the phone and call Guido at Guerrera Law. Guido Guerrera is a University of Pittsburgh Law School grad, pit football superfan, and experienced personal injury attorney who's licensed in Pennsylvania and Ohio. And it is 100% free to call him for consultation on your personal injury case. So the next time you... Get rear-ended in Oakland rush hour traffic. Or if you fall down the stairs at Peter's, call Guido. All joking aside, Oakland and the world can be a very dangerous place. If you need legal help, talk to Guido. He'll treat you like a fellow Pitt fan and never like a number. 412-229-7757 is the number to call. That's 412 229 7757 to call Guido. You can also contact Guerrero Law at guerreralaw.com. That's G U R R E R A. Call Guido today. So, with an eight and four regular season, the Pitt Panthers are bull eligible and should end up in the first tier 
of bowl games within the ACC's affiliations. We're just going to run through the list real quick. So the highest ranked available ACC team will go to the Orange Bowl, the ACC champion, that is. So winner of Clemson UNC should end up there. So and Clemson. That, so uh, I don't know. Both if, teams lost in embarrassing fashion over the weekend, so I'm not ready to pencil anyone in. If Debo trots, Yeah, you're right. What a De- season for the ACC. If Dabo trots DJ out there, I can't say that I'm going to pencil them in for the Orange Bowl just yet. But the first tier of bowl games with the ACC is the Cheez-It Bowl, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, Fenway Bowl, Military Bowl, Pinstripe Bowl, Realiquest Bowl, the Holiday Bowl, the Gator Bowl, and the Sun Bowl. Now, Pitt fans have experience with a few of those. <laughs> Obviously, the Sun Bowl against Oregon State, the infamous 3-0 game. Uh, we've been in the Military Bowl against Navy. We've been in the Pinstripe Bowl. I went to that one. It was miserable. You ever see your team get their teeth kicked in by a triple option school? Unenjoyable. In Annapolis? Also unenjoyable. So, looking at this list... Cheez-It Bowl will probably be either a Notre Dame or a UNC. I think they have one of the first picks there. So we've got a couple bowl games here that are played in baseball stadiums, which make them kind of fun, I guess. Um, No, (laughs) doesn't do it for you. No. I know the Fenway Bowl has cheap flights to Boston. It's also on December 17th, so we could wrap up the season early and then go on about our lives. So, I don't know. What are some wish lists for you guys? What, Where would you like to see Pitt land? Who would you like to see them play? I know we have a couple affiliations against uh, Big Ten schools with these bowl games. Yeah, I'll come out right away and say that I was very worried because I saw a prediction that had Pitt playing Iowa and I think it was the pinstripe bowl. And yeah. I thought if Pitt lost that game, I would have to just straight up change my name and skip town because all credibility of mine would be lost. I do nothing on you can pencil me in for like four or five texts about how bad Iowa is every Saturday. Yeah. And that's on top of that. That's like an awful matchup for Pitt. That's Frank Signetti going against the best defense in the country and (laughs) Pitt's defense desperately trying to find a way to give up explosive plays to the worst offense in the country. Like that that is that is no, going to end up that a game 10 was, to 3. Yeah. That's going to end up a 10 to 3 um game pit losing because of like a blown coverage, you know, 80, 80 yard touchdown from Spencer Petros. I don't think that's ever happened. I, I'm not going to go that far. We I, would we would will it into existence. I don't think they are allowed to throw the ball that far on that offense. They would we would find a way. We we just would, which is why I want my wish list includes a Big Ten team that we could just kind of kick the shit out of or like one that uh, we match up well against. I think we match up better against Maryland because their defense is ass. I think Talia Tagovailoa is banged up um, and we we can probably handle them on defense pretty well like our defense can handle their offense pretty well relative to you know what they've done all year um and we'd be able to score some points i'm going on the record and saying i'm a lot more scared of maryland because they're, they're capable better. of passing the ball i'm terrified of iowa and you of all people should be mortified of iowa i'm mortified of the consequences i'm not afraid of their team talk about this pat narduzzi's defense made to beat those terrible Big Ten quarterbacks, I would take Iowa, I'd say under eight and a half points because I think they might get like two field goals at safety. Maryland, I could see us just running around like, a, I don't know. Uh, I, I hate this. <laughs> can we talk about like a warm city we can go to, not the Big Ten anymore? Well, El Paso, the Sun Bowl. What about a rematch of the infamous Sun Bowl game between Pitt and Oregon State? Or this Oregon State team this year would kick our heads off you think they just beat a top 10 team and they've looked very impressive all year they should have beaten usc i do not want that smoke they are on the pac-12 though pac-12 kind of good this year 
I'd like it. I, I want a fun matchup here. I'm I'm not so much begging for an easy win as much as like a fun power five team to play against. Like if we end up in the Fenway Bowl, it's against an American athletic conference team, probably like UCF or someone. And if we lost to a group of five team in a bowl game, that's about the worst result I could possibly imagine. So if we're going to lose, I'd, I'd prefer it to be to a power five team. And but I, I'm looking for a fun matchup here. We've seen UCF before. We played them. We we ended their uh, winning regular season winning streak. They were the reigning national champions when we beat them. It's true. So unless Kenny Pickett can come back and run a pit special against them, I, I have no interest in running into them again. Yeah. Yeah, probably not. Um, God, why can't why can't we just do what Penn State does and get to play like a super overmatched like group of five school or whatever they're going to get. Most recent projections have them playing Tulane in the cotton bowl. Yeah. So I, I, I want, I want to play a bad team so that we can win and feel good about ourselves. Yeah. If I'm not going to the game, if I would go to the game, I would choose for the coolest city, like best time for an actual trip. So somewhere in Florida, probably. But if I'm not going to the game, I lean more towards give us that ninth win as easily as possible. Even though bowl games are weird now and nobody plays in them and they don't matter. They matter to us. Yes. They matter to us bragging about having nine wins versus eight, having 20 wins over two seasons. I think that's going to be the big storyline for Pitt fans is despite this season being overwhelmingly disappointing if Pitt can come away nine and four and hang their hats on 20 wins over two years that'll be the first time Pitt's done that in 40 years um and all of the discussion and resentment around Pat Narduzzi really can kind of circle back to he's raised the floor of this program to where something that they haven't done in 40 years is somehow a disappointment I mean an eight and four season five years ago would have been by all parade. Yeah. By all accounts, a success and showing signs that we're going in the right direction. This is a program that went seven and five with a team that had James Connor, Tyler Boyd and Aaron Donald. This is, we are known and we have experienced mediocrity to a ridiculous degree. I, I saw a tweet yesterday when all the Ohio state fans were losing their mind, which is, just beautiful and incredible. And it was like Ryan day had Justin Fields, Chase Young, and like, like listed a couple guys that are probably going to be pro bowlers. And he only won one playoff game. And all I could think was Pitt had James Connor, Tyler Boyd and Aaron Donald, and I don't know if they won seven games. So you guys can quit your bitching. <laughs> hey, if if Pitt can cap off the season at nine and four, although I won't I won't tell my kids about the twenty twenty two season. I will be referring strictly to the twenty twenty one season with Kenny right. Pickett. I do think that all in all, I'll be able to take a step back and say this program is Two to three wins better than they were before Narduzzi got here. And mm-hmm. the stability he provides and the incremental improvement that he's brought uh, will pay off in the long term. And we'll we'll continue to see good defenses. And with an occasional run of a really good offense comes around, it can create for a very special football team. So let's go get that ninth win. So I have something to hang my hat on this season. Nine and four sounds a lot better than eight and five. That it does. That it really does. Even if even if this last game is meaningless, and even if you know the guys that are leaving for the NFL sit out, and we have to sit through weeks of awful pit fan takes about them giving up on their team, um, <clears throat> that nine will feel a lot better, and we'll we'll forget the frustrations. Well, we won't forget, but other people will, to our benefit, will forget some of the frustrations of this season. I mean, if Pitt finishes on a five-game winning streak, we'll be back on the horse next year. The sky's the limit. Please go nine and four. 
before we go, I, I do need one prediction from you guys. As you, as you may know, uh, you know, at least one of us gets to potentially end this season with their alma mater winning a trophy. Uh, and I was hoping you guys could give me some predictions for the max championship between the Bobcats of Ohio University and those lowly loser Toledo Rockets on December 2nd. Well, isn't Nathan O'Rourke out for the year? Nathan Rourke is his older brother, who is the best quarterback in the Canadian Football League. Uh, Curtis Rourke did tear his ACL, but his backup looked competent last week. Give me Toledo, Toledo by 14. Toledo by 100. Ohio University, 27. Toledo, 20. You can book it. Go Cats. Please win. Please win the pinstripe bowl or the Fenway bowl. Or how funny would it be if we got sent back to Birmingham for the, I don't know even what, what do they even call it now? The ticket smarter Birmingham bowl. For those of you who aren't privy to the updated bowl names, that was the BBVA compass bowl that Pitt played in. Yeah. Pass many years back. Okay. I'm done. Please don't go to that bowl. Please win. Please go nine and four. Thanks everyone for listening. Go Bobcats. Hail to Pitt. Hail to Pitt. Hail to Pitt. Where it began I can't begin to know it Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to the Loyal Sun Show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating, subscribe to us anywhere you get your podcasts, follow us on Twitter, at the Loyal Suns. Subscribe to Pittsburgh Sports Live on YouTube. That's our partner, Pittsburgh Sports Now's YouTube channel. You don't want to miss any of the video content we've got coming out. If you subscribe, that way you'll never miss it. Make sure to tune in to future episodes as we work through this camp season. We'll be talking to players, former players, people associated with the program, and a whole bunch of people who love Pitt as we count down the days to the Backyard Brawl on September 1st. As always, hail loyal sons of Pittsburgh.